when you're up against a hostile room of people who don't want to be there, you need real strategies that get results. Welcome to From Hostage to Hero, the show that gives you practical advice you can use right now in the courtroom, boardroom, or classroom. Learn how to move your unwilling audience to one that is invested in what you're saying, eager to participate, and engaged in the process. Learn from the attorney whisperer herself, your host, Sari Delamont. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of From Hostage to Hero. How are you all my heroes out there? I hope you're doing wonderful. I am doing wonderful and um, doing this podcast is part of the reason. I just am loving all of your love. Thank you. Please review the podcast if you um, are wherever you listen to it, Spotify, iTunes, whatnot. If you have a book, we're going to continue to ask you to review over there. I've got goals this year, my friends. Help me with my goals. I'm helping you with yours. And I want some reviews up on Trial Guides if you've read the book. And if you haven't, you can order it, Trial Guides, or order it from Hostage to Hero. Also, don't forget to join our From Hostage to Hero Facebook group. I know many of you are not on Facebook because you're afraid jurors will look you up. There's a total way to be anonymous on there. Um, you don't share anything with anybody. You can create a profile and then join our our um, our private group. And then it's only plaintiff attorneys in criminal defense. That's it. With a couple of consultants that I led in there. So it's a great place to discuss the concepts in the book and discuss the concepts in the podcast and really get it usable and practical for you. We are getting uh, geared up to create the membership slash course uh, in the fall. So do know there will be a place for you to hang out and and be with all of us there if you're like, I'm just holding out for that. Sorry, I, I get that you want me to be on Facebook. I'm not doing it. Um, okay, Boomer. <laughs> if you don't know what Okay, Boomer is, you got to go look it up. Um, but yeah, I gotcha. So just wanting to let you know, it's an option and we have fun over there and you're invited to the party. That's all I'm letting you know. So if you want to do that, there's also information at fromhostagetohero.com on how to join that group. I do go live in there at least once a month and teach on some t topics and you can see my face and give me comments and we can interact. Alrighty. So this podcast isn't very exciting. This podcast episode, this podcast is very exciting. Um, or it may not sound, I should say, very exciting, this episode that we're going to be talking about on um, why I prefer flip charts at trial. And really, I should say why I prefer flip charts um, in opening. Let me, let me put it that way. Um, but so many of you have asked me this, and you're just fascinated by this, because we have all these great visuals, and we have all this good information. And, and let me just start out the, the episode by saying I have nothing against PowerPoint. I think it's totally useful. And it, there are times where you absolutely have to use PowerPoint, and you should use PowerPoint. I have nothing against boards. So many people use the boards, and and the boards are really helpful, and I think you should use them, okay? So that's, I'm not suggesting that you not ever use boards and you not ever use uh, PowerPoint. But what I do want to kind of clue you in on is what you're missing out on if you haven't tried the flip chart method. <laughs> I don't want to say method. It's not even a method. Just if you haven't really thought about using a flip chart and markers. So for example, several weeks ago, I had a client come and work with me for the day. I rarely do day-long appointments, but it's my one of my VIPs. And so um, they, I see them often. And so he was in for the day. 
And he and I were working up an opening. And so he came in and I, he says, I've, I think I've got about a 15, 20 minute opening. And I said, uh, all right. And what would be a successful um, end of our day today? And he said, I'd really like to um, have this to a place where I can deliver it well and have you help me message it. I've got the outline. And, you know, one of the things I want to really talk about is how to use the visuals in the um, opening. And I said, okay, great. Well, and, and then his partner who was there for the day, and this is just genius on her part. She said, you know what I'd like to do if it's okay with you is can you have him present the opening to you with zero visuals and then let me know what we need, like what you need to have a visual on that you felt was lacking. And I said, sure. And we went out in the front room and I handed him a marker and a, and a blank flip chart. And I said, whatever you feel you need to explain because we're not allowing you to use quote unquote visuals in terms of PowerPoints or boards, feel free to draw. And so he went through his 15 minute opening. And by the time we got to the end, we had yet to find a place where it made sense to use a visual in the opening, meaning a visual outside of a flip chart and markers. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, yeah, that's true. Sorry, in smaller cases, maybe you don't need to. This is a $50 million case. Okay, that's the ask in this case. So no, my friends, it does not have to be a small case to just use that. Now, again, please don't take this and go, sorry says you should never use PowerPoints. Um, you know who you are, <laughs> person who has said that, or at least joked about that. That's not what I'm saying, okay? PowerPoints can be helpful and useful. Let me let me just go off on a tangent about PowerPoints for a minute, though. Here's where PowerPoints, PowerPoints are not helpful, is when you are using them as a crutch. I always say that the, the visuals should enhance you and your presentation, not be the presentation. So many of you put together a 150 slide deck for like a 30 minute opening, insane first of all, with so much information on those slides and then you use it as a way to jog your memory. You don't need it if you put your opening together correctly. You don't need those and it's too much. It overwhelms the jury. And by the way, what message do you send the jury when you have 150 PowerPoints? You are saying to the jury, this opening or this case is so complex. It's going to take me hundreds, literally hundreds of PowerPoints to explain it to you. My friends, that is not the message that you want to be sending jurors. That should, you're, No case is that complex. You want to argue my cases? No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. I have been doing this for many, many years, and I will tell you there is no case that is so complex that it is necessitates literally hundreds of PowerPoints. Argue away, my friends. But I will tell you that I haven't seen it at least. And I've worked on some really big cases. Now, here's what you're missing when you do the, let me put my entire presentation on PowerPoint and use it to jog my memory and then just read to the jury. Okay. Besides the fact that that puts the jury to sleep and creates a complicate or creates this idea that it's a very complicated case, here's what you're missing out when you don't use a flip chart. 
And for those of you who are like, what do you mean a flip chart? So I just mean the big like post-it notes or the, actually, in fact, I, we've found this out the hard way. When you're doing this in trial, you do not want to get the ones that are sticky because you're going to want to go back and forth and you might even want two flip charts to try to avoid as much back and forth. But any back and forth you're going, meaning like you're going to flip to page three or come back to page one of the flip chart, the big, you know, thing that's on the easel, those sticky ones get stuck to each other and they're hard to go back and forth. So pro tip, get the ones that are not sticky. And if you need to stick them around the courtroom, use tape or tacks or something you can get away with. There's some tape that won't destroy uh, walls and you can go and figure out which one that is. So here's what you miss. For example, you know that uh, in my method, or maybe you don't, um, I said that a lot because I just feel like y'all are friends and y'all know me. So you know what I do. Uh, welcome to those of you who are new. So I'll stop saying, you know. So in my method, if you can even call it a method um, or my template for opening, because I, I don't love methods. In fact, I was working with that client uh, several weeks ago and he goes, I know that in your book, you say to start with this type of hook. I go, fuck my book. We're going to start with whatever hook makes sense. Yeah, I can't put every possible option in the book or different hooks you can use for an opening statement, but please do not look at the stuff in my book and go, this is the only way Cyrus is to do it. No, those are examples. My whole template is an example. I have created every other kind of opening under the sun. We came up with a totally different hook that's not in the book and it was awesome. Okay, I keep going off on tangents. So in my template, in the book, at least, <laughs> there is, and pretty much every opening, I do include this section, which is called the educate the jury section or the teaching section. So when you are teaching, now this may be different in today's school systems, but when I was in school, my teacher would stand at the board and write things out, chalk or, um, you know, on the white erase. And I guess now they've moved to, you know, Elmo's and all those different kinds of things. And maybe um, more teachers are using PowerPoint these days. If so, I think they're, they're also missing out. But the point is, when we think of teachers, we think of someone at the board writing things. And so if you really want to access the quote unquote teacher persona, a flip chart is a really great way to do it because it, it has a whole teachery vibe that goes on in the, in the, um, in the courtroom and jurors love learning. I think we forget that. They're so freaking bored most of the time. They like to learn something new. And so let, let me just be really clear. There's a big difference between teaching and presenting. Okay. Most of you get up there and you present at the jury. You, you deliver a speech and I'm telling you openings got to be way more dynamic and fluid than what you've been trained to do. It should take on many forms. When you're teaching, you become teacher. When you're storytelling, you become the characters. You're, you're constantly morphing in and out of all these different roles during opening. But in terms of the education, education section, when you have a flip chart marker in your hand and you've got something that you're writing, you're, you're communicating to the jury non-verbally, I'm a teacher and I've got something for you to learn. And they lean forward. I've actually seen them do this. Now, here's one reason why. When you show information on a PowerPoint, it is just shown. When you write, what do the jurors have to do? They have to wait and see what you're writing. That's a way to create engagement. I mean, our jurors are bored, are they not? They're bored. So the more ways we can find to create engagement for them, to get them engaged with us and the material, do it. 
become that teacher in front of their very eyes. Now, here's the other nonverbal that it sends, meaning this unspoken message. The first one is, I'm a teacher. It's time to learn. Um, the second one is the whole, I'm about to write something. You don't know what I'm about to write. So they're kind of an eagerly anticipating it. But the third unspoken message that you send when you use a flip chart is, I know this so well that I can just write it out right here. And this is so simple, it can be drawn. Now think about that for a moment. That's a very different message than many of your openings send. It's like, this is so simple and common sense. Let me just draw a little diagram or let me just put the three words up on the, on the, on the flip chart so you can see this. They're also a lot more dynamic. You can engage with the flip chart a lot more. So many of you have heard about me talk about the, the Dram Shop case, the um, overserve case that I worked on this last summer. And in that case, we did an entire teaching section on how many drinks were acceptable to serve someone within an hour-long period. And so then when we switched to the story, the teaching section, quote-unquote, the how many drinks were allowed, was still in view. And then as the attorney told the story... Every time they delivered a drink to the table, they went back over, took the flip chart marker, and put a check. And when the story was done, there was, I think, 20 checks on there. Like 20 drinks had been served in a two and a half hour span or two hour and 45 minute span. One of the jurors said, every time you put a check mark on that flip chart, my verdict went up. You can't do shit like that with a PowerPoint. I mean, you could try to figure it out, but it's so dynamic. It's so in the moment. It's so something you can play with. In another case, we had someone in the teaching section talk about the five factors that doctors need to keep in mind that put a patient at increased risk for bleeding before they do an angiogram. So a person who's at risk, um, at risk for bleeding is someone who, and then he went over to the flip chart and wrote, is but has been taking aspirin. And then he said, and he explained why. And then he went back and he said, and they have a low uh, platelet count. He explained why that was a big deal. And he went back and said, they're on um, anticoagulant medication, meaning blood thinners. And he explained why that was uh, a risk for bleeding. And he, and he continued, and that was great. Now the jurors were educated. Then he went to the story. And as he was telling the story, he said, and so a doctor came in and said, you know, you, I take, take a look at your test. I'm going to put you on some aspirin. And then he silently went over and put a check mark next to aspirin. The jurors were like, uh-oh, uh-oh. And by the time he had gotten to the pl place where they were about to go and do the procedure on her, which was could put her at in ris increased risk of bleeding, the jurors were on the edge of their seat because they saw those five things were checked. She's at increased risk and they're still going to go ahead and do it. He didn't have to say anything. His checking them throughout the story made it super clear to the jury this was not something they should have done got a verdict in that case as well. So what I'm saying about the flip chart is that it's so interactive. You can have fun with it. You can play with it. You can use it in your teaching section and then bring it back to your story. You can have that actual um, visual being used throughout. In many cases, we had jurors ask for them. Can we get that flip chart uh, piece with the three words on it? I mean, they, they become so attached to it. It becomes, it's a very visceral thing. It's being written in the moment. It shows you as an expert. It shows you as a teacher. It shows that this is simple. I mean, there's so many benefits to using flip charts. Now, here's the big um, 
the, the couple of things you need to keep in mind when you're using flip charts is when you're using them, use them. Okay. So when you're writing, and this is true of any visual, look at what you're writing, put your attention on the flip chart. Don't be doing some weird ass shit of trying to write and look at the jury at the same time. They're more interested in what you're writing than your eye contact at that point. So write and, and let them read it and then reestablish eye contact if you need to. Every time that you're going to uh, talk about something that you put on your flip chart, go back over there, walk back over there, point to it, use it, interact with it. That's what it's there for. Don't use the flip chart once and then never use it again. Keep interacting it with it. Keep bringing their eyes to it. Keep coming back to it. Keep getting the jurors to interact with it. Now, here's the general rule of thumb when we're talking about what types of visuals to use when. So you know now that I'm a huge proponent of using flip charts when you can. So here's when you use the other things. You're going to want to use uh, PowerPoints or boards when the information that you need to show jurors is too complex to draw. So let's say we need to see an x-ray. We need to see the inside of a skull. We need to see the lumbar spine. We need to see those kinds of things, okay? That's when you would have a PowerPoint, all right? That's when you want to make sure that you've got that ready to go. Where you want to use boards, and boards can also be used in, in lieu of PowerPoints, but a place where boards really come into play is when you want complex information that's too much to draw that you want to keep in view. You want to continue to come back and use it where instead of flipping back and forth in your PowerPoint, which is just hard on the eyes and irritating for jurors as you look for the slide you're looking for, you can just go boom and let's come back to the timeline. So that's really helpful. Um, timelines, those kinds of things would be nice on boards. What, I, what I'm trying to say is I want you to use a mix. Don't just be in the PowerPoint and don't overlook the power of the flip chart. Ooh, maybe I'll uh, title this one, the power of the flip chart. Um, because there is a lot of power there. I mean, if you think about this, remember when email first came out and we were all like, oh my God, this is the best thing. And we'd rush to our computers. And I mean, maybe I'm dating myself, but we were like, oh, we don't need these letters anymore. And now when you get a handwritten letter in the mail, you're like, oh, someone took the time to write me a note. It's like the best thing ever. It's like, same thing as here. We tend to think, oh, we got to be all savvy and, and computer this and graphic that because that's what this world is about. I, I really honestly have found the opposite to be true, that people are overtired from all of the buzzy, shiny objects that are being shoved in their face all the time. And to see an attorney who knows their case so well that they can sit there and draw the, the things that are easy to draw and talk about it because they know it so well and simplify it for jurors with a simple pen and paper, that's really, really credible, credible and credibility increasing. So it's just something I want you to think about and consider. There's no right or wrong here unless you're putting all of your fucking presentation on a PowerPoint uh, and there's 200 of them and you're reading it. That I will be comfortable in saying is wrong. <laughs> But consider the flip chart, the lonely flip chart, the flip chart of olden days, because I think you're going to find you're going to have a lot of fun interacting with it and using it and playing with it. And, you know, most of you will say, my handwriting's so bad. Well, then fix your handwriting. Jesus, don't use that as an excuse not to try the power of the flip chart. All right, my peeps. I hope that's been helpful. Talk soon. That's it for this episode of From Hostage to Hero. But head to our website, sorrydlm.com, for other must-have resources from Sorry Delamart. 
Read the transcript of this podcast, watch trial tip videos, or download your free copy of Sari's article, Why Jurors Hate the Hobby Question. We're glad you joined us today. And until next time, remember that to lead a hostage to freedom, you must first free yourself.